Well, welcome to Belong Church. Welcome to the second Sunday, the second week in December. I mean, we've been doing the countdown to Christmas now for several weeks, and it's just one of those things. You just don't know, and here we are. We're right up on top of it. So before you know it, we'll be listening to Christmas music 24-7, and that's good. I haven't heard hardly any Christmas music. That's awesome for me. I hate hearing it so early in the season. Well, last week we talked about that in the first couple of weeks in December, we've purposed to talk about giving. And more, not just about giving so far as what most people think from a church standpoint would be, that I'm just here as the pastor saying, hey, you need to give to the church, you need to give to God, you need to give to me. It's none of that stuff, but it's about leaving a legacy. And if you didn't hear last week's, I encourage you to go and go to our YouTube channel and go back and watch it. It's very short. And you'll hear and get the understanding. This is going to be kind of part two, but we're, I'm really, really excited about the story that we get to look at today. But first of all, I just want to start right off with this screen. And I want to tell you this, that God is not moved by need. And so many times, it's, it's so difficult to understand. And so many people get so mixed up with this and say, well, there's this need over here, so God should just meet it. There, I have this need, so it should just happen for me, and I shouldn't have any needs in my life, and yet that is not the way it works. In fact, there are laws of God that are at play or at work, if you will, regardless if we can see them. And the best analogy I can give is that of gravity. Gravity, we know by a fact, is working. If I take this water bottle and I drop it right now, if I let go of it, it's going to go down and hit the ground. If I climb up on top of the roof and say, I can't see gravity, and so I don't believe in it, and I think I could walk out across there, I'm going to find out very, very quickly that it does work. And, and the laws of giving and the laws of sowing and reaping and the laws that we, we were going to look at a little bit today, and all the laws of God, even if we can't see them, still apply today. Often we hear the, the, the phrase, well, you just need to have faith. Someone's in a, in a place of need, and, and you just need to have faith, and have faith in God. And, and while that is true, of course, we looked at many times in the past few weeks, and the beginning of the year, we're going to go d- even deeper into this, that faith means to be persuaded or to have confidence. And, and so when you have faith, what are you being persuaded to Better put, who are you being persuaded to, your way of thinking or God's way of thinking, or confidence? Who's your confidence in? And if your confidence isn't in God, just having confidence that it's not going to work out is called fear or anxiety. You have to have the properly placed faith. Last week, we looked at giving is a legacy and, and leaving a legacy that there's, there's more to our life than just making our ends meet about getting day to day. And I love in the, the bumper video where it says getting from point A to point B. There's more to our life than that. And, and this is the day that we designate to take our legacy offering. Of course, it's been open all year long, but this is the time that we talk about it specifically. And I told you last week that I would give you some indication of what we're going to give the special offering towards. And one of the things is we need a trailer for all the church stuff. And when we go back to having a meeting place and transforming back and forth, we need to be able to put it in there. We also want to expand our reach, and that requires buying some stuff. And then there are people who are in need. 
and there's many things, but that's private to them, so I really don't want to talk about that, and I'll get permission after the fact with whatever we're able to do to tell you and to give a report to you. But that's what the purpose of this special offering is for. Now, not to be confused, this isn't tithes and offering. Tithes and offering is what we're commanded by God to do all year long with our income. Last week, we also looked at, I, I had this screen up there, you cannot truly trust God with your life and not trust him with your money. So, so, so oftentimes we'll say, oh, I trust God, I'm completely there. Well, are you doing this that he says you're doing? Well, no, I don't, I, I don't, I don't want to do that. Or are you doing this? Or are you tithing? Are you giving to God? Well, no, I mean, my money is my money. I mean, I, I shouldn't have to mess with any of that. But if I can't trust God with everything, even with my money, I want to suggest to you, you can't truly be 100% sold out all in. Now, I have a terrible analogy for you, and you might even say, bad Pastor Kevin, and, and, I, and I get that. Years ago, Dr. Lester Summerall was in a church that I was serving in, and he came, and he said, man, I don't believe in the lottery, but if you get the tickets, I will scratch them off. He goes, if you put them in the offering, if you put those lottery tickets in the offering, I'll scratch them off and see if the church wants some money. Now, this past week, or a couple of weeks ago, actually, someone that I was driving went into a convenience store and bought a whole bunch of these tickets, and this one is $20, it says up at the top, and he handed me a couple. He goes, here, I hope you win. Well, I, I don't even know how to work it. I don't even know what it wor- how it all works out within this, and I haven't even read the instructions to see if we're millionaires yet. But it says at the bottom that if you get it all lined up, that you'll be a millionaire. There's a million dollars on, and that's the whole lure, and that's the whole hook. And, and I'm probably going to describe this wrong and explain it wrong, and I'll probably have a lot of people correct me, and that's fine. But, but just think about on the times where you've got to scratch off, and you look at the different things, and there's a legend over here that are showing. If you get one of them, then it's this much, and if you get two of them that are the same, that right, that are matching up over here, you get this much more. And man, if you get all six of them lined up across here, man, that's the jackpot. So let me ask you a question. And again, it's a terrible analogy, and I understand that. But would we be satisfied having a scratch-off ticket if we knew that we could scratch off all six and get them all right? That that would be the ultimate in winning. And yet that's what we have as an opportunity with God. We have all the things that he describes to us, and we have all the different things, the principles that he says, hey, I want you to have life to the full. But if we don't scratch off all the things, if we don't pay attention to all the details, then we're going to be missing out. But it's not like a lottery ticket that it might be there and it might not be there. Every promise of God, the Bible says, is yes and amen. That means when you will read in the Bible, when you'll hear a word from a man of God, and you latch onto that and you say, okay, God, I'm claiming this for me, that's for you. But can I tell you, giving isn't about you. I'm sorry, giving is about you. It's not about the church. I mix that one bad up. I'm going to say it again. Giving is about you, not the church. So many people get that completely messed up as I tongue-twisted myself in the beginning of that. Giving isn't about the church getting money or a nonprofit getting money or a pastor getting money. It is all about you. It's all about the plans and the purposes that God has for you. 
Now, I'm going to have you turn in your Bibles in just a moment to 1 Kings chapter 17, but I want to kind of lay the groundwork. Elijah, the man of God, the prophet in that time, was dealing with all of these different things that the man of God was dealing with. And one of the things he said is, it's not going to rain until I speak it again. And then all of a sudden it didn't. And it was this whole big scenario. One day we'll go through all that, but I'm not going to, that's not the purpose of it for where we're at. But in 1 Kings 17, that's where we find ourselves. It has been going through this terrible drought that everything is drying up and, and God took the man of God out to the brook in the wilderness. And, and if you know the story, God had a raven come and bring him food every single day. Somebody said that was God. God was the first person to do delivery food. And, you know, instead of favor and all these other guys that, you know, he had the raven that came and just dropped us off every day. And I don't think, you know, Elijah was sitting, okay, I'd like this tomorrow. I'd like that. I mean, God knew what he liked and God took care of him. But look at this. The, the, the famine is still going on when we pick up here in verse 7. At that time, the brook dried up. See, the brook had been going on even when it shouldn't have been. But God kept feeding that and God kept bringing this. But God had a plan for Elijah. Verse 2. Verse 7, uh, 8, sorry. Then the word of the Lord came to him. I'm used to it being verse 1. Sorry about that. Then the word came to him. So as he's sitting there, he's just resting. He's chilling out. God gave him something to eat. God gave him some water. And he's just like letting him refresh himself. Then all of a sudden it dried up, and then the word of God came to him. Look at verse 9. Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. And look at this. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. God is saying to Elijah, I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. And that word directed literally means, it's translated in another place, commanded, but it literally means to lay a charge on. Like, hey, I'm going to go lay this mantle on this, this charge on this widow that she is to do this thing. Verse 10, so he went to Zarephath, and when he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called her and asked, would you bring me a, wa a little water in a jar so that I may have a drink? And as she, showing to, as she was going to get it, he called, and bring me, please, a piece of bread. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. Here he is. That's the custom, particularly at that time. He's not making her into a slave. But he's there, and he's asking her to get him some water. And they would go to the well and bring, you know, pull it up and, and bring it there. And she's asking him, hey, can I have some? And, she, and she's going to get that. See, that, that commodity wasn't completely out yet. And bring me a piece of bread. He's like, man, it's been a little bit since I was at that brook. And I'm a little bit hungry. I'm a little bit thirsty. If you can bring me a Snickers bar, that'd be great. Verse 12, look what she says. As surely as the Lord your God lives, I don't have any bread. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. Look at this. And I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat and die. Now think about that. Water isn't completely depleted yet, but all she has is just a little bit of, of 
of flour left and just a little bit of oil that she's only gathering a few sticks for. She doesn't even need to build a big fire because this isn't that much. I mean, it's just like, we're going to like rub this together. It might be one pancake and we're going to share that. And she says, this is it. This is the end of the road for me today. Prophet, why didn't you come earlier kind of thing? Like, hey, this is it. This is all we have. I'll get you some water, but we have our last meal that we're going to eat and die. Now, that's a pretty bleak situation. And, and most people would look at the man of God and the preacher and say, oh, man, you've got to have some compassion on her and you've got to do all these things for her because she's in great need. Truthfully, she was. And as we'll see later, many people were. But look at what he said. Verse 13. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said, but first make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me and then make something for you and your son. Can I highlight something different in there? Look at this. But first make a small loaf of bread. What kind of preacher is this? Think about it. I mean, there's so much slander that goes around about pastors asking for money, and, and some of it I don't think is balanced, and I'm not going to throw any stones at them. But I purposely don't talk about money all the time because I hate all the, the negative that comes along with this. But here this guy's telling a widow and her son that's about to eat this one thing and die. Okay, don't be afraid, but first make me a small loaf of bread and bring it to me. And then go make something for yourself and your son. What? You want me to take what very little I have before we're going to die and give you the first portion of it. But you see, he told her something. But he's not just telling her out of his own will. He's not just telling her out of his own ideas or his own thoughts. Remember, he had a word from God and he says, God says, I've got a charge I'm laying on this woman. Is the charge for Elijah? Or is the charge for her way out? See, the principle of God is you have to sow something to get a harvest. There isn't something for nothing. Too many times in our society, we think that it just should be a handout and it should just be whatever I need, I should just get. But here we find, God is saying this, I've got a charge for you. I've got an opportunity for you. I've got this mantle laid on you. I've got a purpose. Look, verse 14, for this is what the Lord said. The Lord says, not Elijah, not the pastor, but the Lord is saying, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jar of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. Now, can you imagine? It's not going to run dry, but there isn't hardly anything in there. There's more dry than there is um, what she needs in there. There certainly is an abundance. So for her to take that step of faith and say, God, I'm going to trust you. But you see, it wasn't let me eat of this with my son and myself, and then we'll give God or or give the prophet whatever's left over. We'll try and save you out of snack. He says, do this first. I love this. Verse 15. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. 
So there was food every day. So many times I hear people talking, they're like, man, I need provision, and I need something for, I need this regular income, this recurring income, and I need this, this ability for every day my needs to be met. Food every day. But not just for her. Look at this. Elijah stayed with her for the rest of the, the drought. For Elijah and for the woman. And notice this. It doesn't say her son her family. See, God didn't just give her enough to get by. God gave her enough to keep feeding the man of God and herself, and not only her son, but I believe even bigger than that, her family. That there's, there's more people that were in a terrible place of famine. That her giving to God opened the door for more than just her, where he was going to eat this and die. Now she gave. She obeyed God. Verse 16. For the, flour, the jar of flour was not used up, and the jug of oil did not run dry. That means every day she went in there to make some more pancakes, to make some more bread. And she dug out the, 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 the flour, and she poured the oil. It just kept replacing all the time. It never ran dry. In keeping with the word of God spoken by Elijah. Now, this is just an amazing story. And, and how it could have turned out differently, she could have said, no, 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 you don't understand. This is my son, and you know, I've got to take care of him first, and I've got a priority that I've got to do here. But you see, the offering wasn't for Elijah. The offering was for her. The offering was for her future. And not only her and her son, but it expanded into her family. Look in Luke chapter 4, verse 25. Jesus is even talking about this. He says, I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time. Look at that. Jesus is talking about this story and what happened in this great demonstration of her being, having faith and having confidence in God and confidence in the word of God. When the sky was shut down for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land, verse 26, Yet Elisha, Elijah, sorry, was not sent to any of them, but to a woman in Zarephath. Elijah wasn't sent to all of the widows that are sitting there about to run out of oil and flour. He was sent to this one. But what if we only read the part about the man of God asking for an offering? Where you go, man, that's a terrible story. That's, that's you know, elder abuse. That's just, I mean, you're supposed to take care of the widows. And you, you could come up in so many layers of judgment on this story. How about the widow's son? He's sitting there and he's like, man, I mean, we haven't been able to eat well for a while, but mom's about to make one last pancake. And I get to eat that last pancake. And then this man comes in and says he's from God. And he says, no, give it to me. And can't you see that little boy? That Maybe you could see his ribs, you know. And he's sitting there. He's like watching from the plate up to his mouth. Like, that would have been my bite. And the, the next one, like, I, I, I'm really hungry. And I've not been full in a while. And that, that could be my bite right there. And uh, maybe he didn't understand the faith that his mom had. How about the man of God sitting there, eating, knowing that they were hungry? 
But you see, God sent Elijah for that woman, for that widow in her need, but not because she had a need. Elijah, I believe, was sent because that widow had faith. And she was persuaded and confident in the word of God. See, I believe that she was praying. I believe that she was down on her knees, and I believe she's bringing her son to her side and says, listen, we got to trust God because it doesn't look so good from where I'm at. Many of us in, in, in our lives, there's, there's times where we say, man, it's not looking so good from where I'm at. And in fact, this is the season of the year that more people are depressed, and things don't look that great. See, she would get down on her knees, I believe, and pray and ask God to be her provision. And God says, hey, I've got this mantle, but it's going to cost you doing something. Verse 15, again. And she did, and she went. She went away and did as Elijah told her. She obeyed the word of God when it came to giving in her life. Because I believe she had been praying for a miracle. And even though it didn't come like she thought, it was in fact her miracle. Can I tell you, faith moves God, not needs. Faith is what moves God. Being persuaded, being confident in, in the word of God. And, and this is written in the Bible. I can open up my Bible and I can read it. It's right there in the, in the white pages. And maybe it's in red because Jesus said it. And, and I'm going to believe it. God, I'm going to pray this word that says that I am going to live and not die. Father, I'm going I'm to read this where Jesus says you can be healed. I'm, I'm going to read here where it says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, day, and forever. And I can claim onto that same thing. He's claim, he moves by your faith. Jesus said there's many widows. Elijah wasn't sent to them. What does that mean? We can just like knock some of the spirituality out of the way of that and, and just do some sanctified reasoning. If there were other widows that were in a time of desperation and they just had a little bit of oil and a little bit of flour and they made their last pancake and then that was it. That was it. They had a need. But God doesn't move by need. He moves by faith. See, God had laid a charge on that widow in Zarephath to meet her need. So when we talk about giving, when we talk about tithing, when we talk about giving out of your abundance and giving out of your need, we looked at last week that Jesus sat by the offering plate and is looking at everybody's putting in it. Some rich people wrote big checks and they put them in and that's great, that's wonderful. And he saw this one woman that put two little copper coins in. Go listen to it from last week. Go watch it on YouTube. Jesus says, she put in more, not by the monetary value, because it only came to one cent, but she gave out of her need, the same as this widow gave out of her need. See, she didn't need to give that man of God that pancake. She needed to give that to her and her son, but actually her need was met by giving. See, this, this past week was Tuesday, was Giving Tuesday, and it's around the, the whole United States and maybe even the world. Facebook has a big deal on it. We participated, and, and, you know, we sent out some letters and, you know, some other stuff. And, and this is the time we do the legacy offering. And see, everybody, this is the season time we think about this. See, there are many opportunities for each of us to take action. But some people 
undoubtedly, looked at that opportunity and said, no, 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 no. No, I, I really need to keep, keep the money I've got. I, no, I need to keep this. What, so we're doing this legacy offering today, Pastor Kevin. No, 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 no. I, I really need to keep everything I've got. Can I suggest to you, again, I'll tell you, the money, the giving isn't for the church. The church is benefited because that's God's economy to make it that way. But it's really about you. It's about that widow in Zarephath. We lo- last week we looked at there was a man outside of the community who had been a generous giving, giver. And he'd even built their temple. And he supported them. And he loved Israel so much that he got the attention of Jesus when his servant, who he loved, needed a miracle. Look at this in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. It says, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly, this is talking about giving offerings, it's talking about money, okay? Again, I don't talk about money hardly at all, but this scripture, these couple of verses right here is about money. It's not talking about anything else. There, there's some other scriptures we looked at recently that people twisted into being money, and it doesn't talk about that. But this one, these right here, they're talking about money. Whoever sows sparingly, so when, when that offering plate comes by or you go online or you take the app out to, to give an offering, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. What kind of harvest do you want? What kind of harvest did that woman who was a widow with her children, her son, what kind of harvest did she need? She could have said, well, I'll just give you a corner. No. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. That overabundant miracle that happened to her and her children, and it says her whole family, that it continued to replenish every single day. That's reaping generously. But look at this, verse 7. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give. I'm not up here standing here trying to manipulate anyone or say you need to give this or you need to do that or you need to do shame on you if you don't. Oh, no, 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 no. That's not me. God forbid I ever do that. But you should. Why We talked about it last week. That's why we do this every year at this time. You should be praying and asking God, what is it you want me to do? God, I, I can see the scriptures that we're seeing here. And then decide in your heart what you're to give. Remembering if you sow sparingly, it's, it's not going to be so great. But if you give great, then you're going to have a great, a generous harvest. Look at this. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. I'm not up here trying to twist anybody's arm. I've been in some services where there were some arms twisted. And I felt like, oh my gosh. There's been some that I knew the pastor was going to be there, the, the special speaker, and I left my wallet, my checkbook, my credit cards. I left everything at home because I knew there's going to be some arm twisting going on, and sure enough, there was every single time. Look at this. For God loves a cheerful giver. But you can't be a cheerful giver unless you understand. You can only be a cheerful giver that God loves when you understand. And that's the whole purpose of this message today. And the purpose of last week's message is so you understand that you get and go, aha, okay, it's not just about money. Oh, okay, I get it. So it's about that this is for me. 
Remember I talked about the scratch-off tickets, and if you fill out all those, what if you didn't fill out the one that was for money, and, and we never talked about money, and you never understood the principles of God, and you never understood that if you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly, but if you give abundantly, and, and God wants you to be a cheerful giver, what if you never understood that? Then guess what? You're going to miss out on life to the full. This is a healthy balance. Look at verse 8. Verse 8 says, and God is able to bless you abundantly. Can I show you some words and split some hairs here? Parse this just a little bit. God is able to. Doesn't mean he will. Because he's not moved by need. He's moved by your faith, your obedience, and your stepping out and giving. He's able at all times and all things. Having all that you need. I mean, when you think about that woman that every day she went up there, don't you think that the second day she went in there, it's like, oh, I hope there's still some in there. But after a week or so, she just went in there boldly, like just dips in there and gets it, gets it, pours the oil out there and just gets what she's got to do. She's not worried about it because she's seen that God's taking care of all of her needs. God is able to bless you abundantly. So that in all things, at all times, having everything you need, that sounds a lot like life to the full to me. Look at this, verse 9. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. They've taken in their gifts that they gave, and the church is out there taking care of the poor, and their righteousness endures forever. Legacy. That's what we talked about last week, that there's, there's gifts that are given that, that just keep on and, and keep on, and, and that there's, just, there's monuments made to the goodness of God. Look at this, verse 10. Now he who supplies seed to the sower, he who supplies seed to the sower, who is that? That's God. Like last week we looked at you may have 100% of your paycheck, but that came from God. God is the one who gave that to you. Nothing came to us except that came from God. Deuteronomy, it says that, that God has given us the power to get wealth. See, it's God who's given you everything that you have. He now supplies that for you. Seed to the sower and bread for food and will supply and increase your store of seed, what you're giving, what you're planting, and enlarge your harvest of your righteousness. See, it's not just about seeing how big our bank account can have, but when we see that we give to a church and when we give to God's work and they're able to do more with it and touch people's lives and, and help people and people come to God because of it and the range is extended through all this stuff, God's harvest is like, man, look at what you're doing. Look at how you're helping all these people. Verse 11, and you'll be enriched in every way that, so you can give generous on every occasion. There may be some of you listening today that years ago you may have heard a message like this and it was tough for you to give, but today, because you followed the will of God and you obeyed him, it's not that hard. Remember I told you last week the story of the guy who gave $400,000 in a service that I was at, and he says, I'm not even going to miss this. So that through us, the church, generosity will result in thanksgiving to God 
How many of you know that when, when the church is able to go in there and help somebody, go into the prisons and, and, and put money in those commissary accounts and help them be able to have a, a books and Bibles and, and go out and touch people in these different areas of life and help them and, and help them fix their car, help them get a car working, help them all the different ways that we're able to do stuff when the finances come in, that those people's heart are turned and thank God this church came in. Thank God they stepped in. There's thanksgiving to God that goes through our giving. Please bow your heads. Today we saw God meet the needs of a widow. We saw how she was sitting there, and I believe praying and asking God, and God interrupted the whole life set up for the prophet, for the man of God, dried up the brook so he would have to go somewhere else, and then came and gave him a word. That's because she had a relationship with God, and she trusted God. He didn't have to explain it to her. He just simply had to say, this is what you need to do. See, giving works for those who trust God with their lives and for those who yet have to do that. The principles of God, like gravity, will work on those people who are in the kingdom and those people who are not in the kingdom. You can have asked Jesus in your heart or not. Giving is one of those things that works. It's a law. And while we've been focusing today on, on finances and giving and, and leaving a legacy and the principles of, of giving to God first, Ultimately, God just wants a relationship with you. This is the mature side of a relationship. This is the pastoral message that I, I mentioned last week, the last week and this week is that you will understand. You'll have an aha moment and have understanding. But we don't want to just ever leave a message without an opportunity. We always want to provide a prayer for you to be able to pray with me. To begin or to begin again a real relationship with the God in heaven who loves you. Today, I want to simply invite you to pray this prayer with me. That's you. Say these words. Say, God in heaven, I want to begin a relationship with you. I want to know you. Right now, I ask you to forgive me for every time I've missed it and make me brand new. Jesus, thank you for loving me with everything you have. Thank you for dying on the cross for me, giving your life in place of mine. Today I give my life to you. I receive your new life, new purpose, and destiny. In Jesus' name I pray. Father, I just thank you. I was so excited to give this message. It's the first time I've ever been excited to give a message about giving. I usually dread them. But God, for us to have an understanding and to know and to, to realize and to, those people that had aha moments in this message, Lord, I thank you for that. Father, I pray that you would bless every offering that is, that is generated off of this, that this prompting of your Holy Spirit for this legacy offering and for becoming tithing and offering, Lord. As we talked about last week, just draw the, a clean slate and start today. Lord, I just thank you for what you're going to do, that you're going to meet us all there generously, that if we sow sparingly, we're going to reap sparingly. But Lord, when we give generously, you're right there with us. 
Lord, we trust you with our money. We choose that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to kind of do this a little bit different today. And if you want to participate in this offering, remember it's not about the church. It's about you. It's about God's being able to bring provision into your life and into your your family's life and to be there for you. To participate with this church, you simply go to givetobelong.com. And there's different pull-downs, one's tithes and offerings, and there's a legacy offering, there's a core offering. There's all different kind of categories you can choose. You can also do text to give. That's the one I personally do. And that's simply going to 469-410-7788. You text the word give, and then it'll prompt and it'll ask you the first time only. Once you fill that out, the next time all you got to do is put the amount in, and bang, it just goes right in there. But if you did take this first step and pray with us, I want to ask you to text the word NEXT to 469-289-1114. And I want to encourage you to add somebody. We talked about a few weeks ago the plus one. Bring somebody along with you on this journey. If you will, stand and let's pray. Father, I give this service over to you. I give this message to you. Lord, it's, I poured out my heart to give the most understanding possible. I pray, Lord, that you all anoint every word that's from you. And every word that was just me, it'll just drop off and never be remembered again. But, Lord, I pray that we will live life to the full, and that involves giving, giving generously, and having the ability in days to come, like it says in your word, to give on every occasion. We give you all the glory. Lord, I thank you for the great stories we're going to be able to do with the, the legacy offering that comes in. Lord, for the, the increasing our extent, Lord, when more people start tithing and off, giving offerings, Lord, when they start giving 10%. Lord, I thank you that you're going to do some amazing things in their life. Lord, even beyond everything that's going to happen in the church, what's going to happen in their lives. Give you all the glory and all the honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 